Say, what's the deal with ring wraiths, as Gollum? <laughs> Wait a minute. I can just see him just on mute. <laughs> you can do it. I can see him just on mute trying it out. <laughs> I like your... I like that your little voice... Your little face opens and closes when you when you speak. Yeah, your it's little great, thumbnail it? character. It's fantastic. Yes. Do we get to see your lovely face? Or uh, don't know where my camera is. I put it down somewhere before I went away, and I haven't actually picked it out since. So. Ah, no worries. Would you like to see me melt into the tropical background? That sounds like a great idea. Watch this. Uh... Like if I start to move forwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite horrifying isn't it a little bit yeah just a just a smidge but uh <laughs> how how the dickens are you both i'm i'm well thank you i'm i'm pretty good that's good you might be able I, to oh i workshopped it but it's not a, it's not a doer is it not a doer? oh come on come on we're not recording well, right now i can't get like my not like a good golem impression so, uh, like, I can't really do one where he talks about airplane food. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. I could do it the other way around. What is the D with ring ring? <laughs> oh Are they a ring? Are they a ring? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a half bad Seinfeld, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I've definitely heard worse. Yeah. I think back when we started this podcast as a four-piece, we were a, we had a very Seinfeld energy. <laughs> uh, yeah, potentially. <laughs> that, that pilot episode, for sure, definitely felt Jerry-esque. Yeah. I, think, I think you're the Seinfeld, Tom, and I think Sam's the Kramer and I'm the George. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's the balance that we have in this show. What, an Emma's Elaine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> For the listeners, Sam has um Sam has puffed his hair up to look more like Kramer and it's just It's just marvellous. This is <laughs> Talk about having a fruit guy for a bit. <laughs> I've lost it. He's he's gone. I'm it's all gone. It was good while it lasted. Hey, that was pretty good while it lasted. <laughs> See, I told you there's better Seinfeld impressions than mine. Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. Yeah, just to preface this, I have seen one game. Which game was it? Giants books. Excellent choice. Uh, yeah. Because I hate... Because I hate myself and my lived experience. I have seen some more games than you. I'm not going to give a number on how many, because I'm going to try and pretend. Oh, actually, I watched a, a quick recap of Packers Vikings. Oh. Well, that's pretty I much watched... all you need to know, really. 
Yeah, it was it was wanted, the game of the week, so I wanted to provide at least some kind of pushback to what will undoubtedly be some terrible, terrible points. <laughs> From me. Yes. Why is that your assumption? <laughs> is is kind of previous evidence that's kind of everything I know about you as a person and every single message that you've put in the group chat for the past two years shall we shall we begin because we've got a very tight hourly schedule here this is yeah, true let's, let's, let's crank some out let's crack the fuck on and why don't we start with the Vikings taking the NFC North matchup 34-31 to 31 against Green Bay. As Ed prefaced, the game of the week. We're going to start out right there. And uh, Ed, take the lead. Because while this is the only game that Sam has watched in this window and the only game that I watched in this window. Excellent. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we'll preface this by saying that, yes, like that. this was a game where the last team to have the ball was going to win this game. It, um, Minnesota got out to a strong lead early. The Packers roared back in the second half. There were a couple of very questionable decisions made by the referees, but equally there were some incredible performances from Justin Jefferson on one side, Devonta Adams on the other. It was a really, really high-quality game, which I'm not used to sort of talking about as a Vikings fan, but it was, yeah, it was a really fun one to watch. Great start. Um I felt that both quarterbacks had a stellar game here. I know that Aaron Rodgers is sort of dealing with a uh, with a toe injury, but it didn't look like he was uh, too hampered by that. With especially in that late game comeback, just how well he played. But you know, yeah, I, I think I think Kirk got bailed out by the zebras a couple of times because he threw two picks to Donnell Savage that both got called back, mm-hmm. but. It would, yeah. I mean, he had a good game. Rogers had a good game in the second half. In the first half, he didn't get a lot going, but he threw a um, he threw an absolute peach to MVS, sort of in the early fourth quarter. Mm. It was um, 75 yards. Yeah, it was. It was the first play from scrimmage. It was a beaut. Um, but that I just, I'm, I'm wrong. It was right at the end of the second, uh, sorry, fourth quarter. But what it actually did was give give Cousins enough time to march down for a field goal. Mm-hmm. So. It was um, yet another infuriating game as a Vikings fan because we couldn't put it away, but I am so happy we got the win. Yeah, uh, I had to go back and rewatch this one uh, late, so I got all of the reaction without any context, and uh, oh boy, there was anger on Ed's <laughs> part, uh, especially in that fourth quarter when uh, the Packers scored on a timeout that was not noticed by the referees and therefore completing the hat-trick of Packers games which have been directly butt-fucked by the referees for all three so of our hosts. So you're in agreement then? Oh yeah, it's total bollocks. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Right. I'm glad that Max is not here to make some odd point defending this. It was just it was just cheating and it's not... Um, I, I don't want to touch it in too much detail because it was... In the end, it didn't affect the blame didn't affect the game but the Packers do seem to benefit from at least three of these calls a season don't they where 
there is just an unconscionable lack of understanding of the rules from the referees. Yeah, I mean, the the notable example that I can think of in previous years was that god-awful Trey Flowers hands-to-the-face call that they got <laughs> against the Lions that bailed them out um, yep. in a game where the Lions were firmly on top for majority of it and Packers still managed to find a way to win. Uh, courtesy of a little bit of additional help. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, all like I say, those three calls all happen to have been against all three of our teams, and this is Max's first season in the pod, so he's officially taking on Rookie of the Year for shithousery. Um, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere pod. else, was it? <laughs> 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 he didn't need it. Um, the other thing, to, the other sort of salient point in this is that Elton Jenkins went down with a tawny ACL and a non-contact late in the third. Mm. He's Probably going to be out for the season. There's a question of whether he'll make it back for week one of next year. Um, this is a Packers team that is considerably unhealthy at this point, which is not a good feeling. It all seems to be th- up front as well. It seems to be like all of your key pieces on the main part down in the trenches. It's just it, they're losing yeah. pro bowlers left, right and centre. So, oof. Um, I'm going to quickly make one... Packers point that Max said in the chat, but because he's not here, I'm going to echo it. Uh, this game could have been decided on a coin flip, and I'm not going to take anything bad about the Packers from this, because if Mason Crosby doesn't miss his field goal and Darnell Savage gets that interception and the Kirk Cousins fumble is recovered by the Packers, then this game is completely different. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. That was your pro Packers point. Just to... I I kind of agree with Max to a degree. I also agree with Max on that front, but yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I doubt any Packers fans will really be taking a great deal out of this game. Um, yeah, why? I I I concur that this game absolutely could have gone either way. I mean, even if you take form and the Vikings current madness out this game is pretty much always a coin flip yeah even when one team is much better than the other but what i would say is this point about injuries i know that i know that they are thin at these injuries but this is why you have a squad not just the first team like i think that it's any any team that at this point is like oh we don't we don't have these players because you're injured you're supposed to have good backups as well so i I take that with a pinch of salt that being said like you can't I will I will make a point here is that while I do agree with you in the sense that you should have like good backups, if you're paying your key players, your star players, to play like stars and then they get hurt, there's nothing yeah. that you can do about that. It just sucks. Yeah. So like There's always gonna be a distraction. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you it's not like you're gonna have a, a squad full of starters like at one position that can just slot in and kind of not affect the the flow of like the team and not perform, you know. No, I, I agree with you, but like it's the role of the GM to ensure that the backups are capable of going into the situation and winning anyway. Like you can pay your players like stars and you can pay your backups like backups, but you still expect them to perform like stars when they're on the field. Uh, yeah, but when there's an obvious step down from like your first choice left tackle to a fourth choice 
guy, then there is a very obvious step down in quality there. Like it doesn't matter how many good backups you have if the backups get injured as well. You're yeah. kind of fucked regardless. Like you can only pay people so much money and the Packers O line especially is down to like third stringers right now. Oh, Sometimes yeah. these things just happen and when you're ten weeks into a season or eleven weeks in, it it does just happen. Like it's shit. Yeah. You can they, you can know, claim yeah. I know Actiari got um like activated or whatever, but have have they said when he's back yet? Because I know he got I know he was doubtful, I think. And a then... lot of people are sort of saying that he might have re-aggravated that injury a little bit based on the fact that he's didn't suit up for the game. Uh, so it looks as though he did come back, but he recently underwent arthros- uh, arthroscopic knee injury, uh, knee surgery. Sorry, so he won't be back before the Packers buy. So uh... is that after they repaired the ACL? Yeah. Um, it's on the same knee that he had the ACL, but they've had to perform a little bit more surgery on it. So yeah, it's it's not a great sign. Just a just a pinch of surgery. Yeah, just a just a sprinkling, smackerel, of keyhole. Anyway, um, <laughs> shall we, does anyone have any other points to make about this game, or do we move on? Um, not really. The Vikings <laughs> continue to be wildly entertaining, one way or the other. Yeah, um, yeah, we're the most interesting team in the league for a neutral, right? There's, there's no question. Uh, yeah, I mean, to I'd be fair, I'd say there's an argument to be made. Yeah, especially when every game seems to come down to the very last play. It, yeah, it is at least I, that when the witching hour starts and the Vikings are up by two <laughs> scores, you know, oh boy, we're in for a good witching hour. Yeah, I did, I did just see one. I did just see one thing before I'll move on. You know that at no point during any Vikings game have we been up or down by 14 or more points and so there's yeah. been no garbage time at any point in any of the game <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it every game this season that's been like Vikings have had a by either a, like a score yeah un- under two scores yeah so um, we've we've always I think every game we've had except for the Browns we've had a lead in the fourth quarter and every game we've been up by seven at least seven points at some point. Mm. Yeah, good good team for neutrals, not for not necessarily for fans. <laughs> no. Uh, so where do you want to go next, boys? Well, I've just got like one final point here is that. Um, Mike Zimmer sounds as broken and beaten a man as. <laughs> any of the head coaches in the league right now uh he recently said i think it was just after this game he said that he doesn't enjoy sundays that while other people usually call things like sunday fun day he simply can never enjoy a sunday so mike zimmer Free. is about five minutes away from the cuckoo's nest by the sounds of things poor guy yeah free mike zimmer from this Awful Jekyll and Hyde team <laughs> that he created, might I add. Like he, he, he's created the monster, and now just like Doctor Frankenstein himself is having to pay the penalty of not enjoying a single moment with it. <laughs> Kurt comes to Mike and he's like, "Build me a wife. <laughs> I need a new arm." <laughs> 
which which still ties into to Ed's beliefs because he's still a doctor, so he's easy to respect. <laughs> okay, well, I see President Zimmer. <laughs> Shall we move on to? I mean, we started out with the Sunday games, but there was a Thursday night game, which I think we can pretty much like battle through um, as part of these because we didn't do a Friday episode. Uh, the Patriots 25, the Falcons nothing. This game was over by midway through the third quarter, even though there were no points scored in the third quarter because uh, the Falcons are shit. Turns out you cannot come back from a 25-point uh, deficit at any point. No, mm. that's that's true. Um, and I'm glad that we didn't have to hear about that exact game all week leading up to it <laughs> and since as well. So, yeah, thank you, NFL <laughs> announcers. Um Matt Ryan left the game. Josh Rosen came in, threw an interception. Left the game. Left the game. Yep. Felipe Franks came into the game, threw an interception, <laughs> left the game. What? It's, what I think it's the first time moment. that the Falcons... Oh, in fact, I think it's the first time in NFL history that three quarterbacks have played in the same game for the same team and within it, their five next passes have thrown an interception. So... I mean, didn't... I thought the I thought the Falcons got quite a few turnovers, but oh wait, yeah, they did. Yeah, um... yeah. It was it was a it was a strange game because it was um, it was almost void of interest. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like because the game itself, like the the quality of play from the Patriots was obviously better, but the quality of the play from Atlanta was piss poor. Like Dion Jones had a shocker. Yeah, um... and. Yeah. I just don't know. As a as a prime Matt Ryan apologist, it's getting harder and harder to apologize for Matt Ryan. But I'm not sure whether that's just because of the lack of quality around him. I mean, their O line might be the worst in football right now. They've got an awful O line and his receiving core, like the their top five options for this game were Russell Gage, obviously Kyle Pitts, Olamide Zacchaeus. Tajay Sharp and Mike Davis. Keith Smith got a catch. <laughs> like Quadri Ollison is the is the is the lead running back right now because Mike Davis isn't very good and it's like because Cordell Patterson's not there, the Falcons have lost all semblance of an offense because they've they've just got nothing else there right now. Um on the opposite side of the ball, Mike Jones might be putting out a offensive rookie of the year level season simply by being just really bloody composed. I put out on the uh, on the Sulp Twitter account on Thursday night when this game was happening. He might be the most pro-ready quarterback that I've seen coming out of the draft in a long time. He is already looking like a 10-year veteran back there under center because he's not making stupid mistakes. He's playing smart football and Bill Belichick's able to create an offense around that. Yeah, I mean, so much credit has to go to Josh McDaniels for the fact that Mac Jones has just walked into an NFL offense doing all of the same, basically running the same concepts he did at college, just to an incredibly high standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in bad news for all of the AFC and AFC East, um, the New England Patriots are very good again and have a good quarterback. So, like, great. Do you not? Do you not just think for narrative bowl? I mean, this this year is shaping up to be a Patriots versus Brady Bucks Super Bowl. Yes, 
Yes, it is. In the brand new SoFi Stadium as well, of all things. Where the NFL offices are based. Oh, they'd love it. <laughs> they would so love far. it. SoFi Stadium. All right, let's move on. Um, right. Does anyone have any suggestions for a game that we can rattle through um, uh, that you would uh, like to go to? Let me have a look at what they were. I don't really care about Dolphins Jets. I tell you what, shall we hit Colts Bills? Because there are some talking points in this. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, guys, the Indian Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom. What were you saying? The Jonathan Taylor scored forty-one <laughs> points against the six and four Buffalo Bills, who could have been AFC Championship material but only were able to put up 15 against the Colts, who are right back in the playoff hunt. And my prediction at the beginning of the season has never looked stronger. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's going to carry this whole team to the Super Bowl. For the shoe. <laughs> I mean, now, yeah. can I just Can I just quickly make a point regarding the like preseason prediction that I had? Because it entirely banked on... <laughs> The defense being good and Jonathan Taylor carrying on his like end of last season form. He started out the season slow, but pretty much ever since then, he has been absolutely putting the league on notice and putting the team on his back. And now it's Maybe. looking as just as strong as when I made the prediction. Even stronger! For, for the listeners who may be aware of the story... I, I, I'm sorry to talk about this again, Tom, but maybe the worst fantasy trade in living memory yeah. is Tom trading Jonathan Taylor to me for Jamar Chase and Leonard Fournette. Yes. Yeah. We'll not let that die. <laughs> no. Well, it, he, he got me 50 points, which was enough to get me over the parapet versus Emma this week. So I am indebted to him. And also... We shouldn't we shouldn't escape the fact that he is just he is the best runner in the NFL, right? He could be the best offensive player. Yeah. 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 Um, Other things to point out is that that, the Colts lost Quentin Nelson in this game. Do you guys know about that injury? Absolutely not. I haven't seen anything coming out about it since. I've been checking, sort of... To be honest, (sighs) I've been checking uh, Adam Schefter's Twitter page, like... uh, like it's going out of style to try and get some news, but nothing, nothing's come through mm-hmm. as of yet. Maybe he's not got the the go ahead from Bruce Allen that uh, <laughs> talk about Quentin Nelson's injury. <laughs> oh, here we go. He's considered day to day. That's it. So he should be. Ah, that's that's all right. That's not as bad as first feared because it originally looked like a like a twisted knee ACL type. So it's good to hear that he's good to hear that he's day to day. Um. There's a, there has to be an inquest in Buffalo, and I I have to doff my cap to Max right now and say he got it absolutely right with his suggestion that Josh Allen might regress because this game, a lot of it was on Josh Allen being very profligate with the ball. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't know what's going on in Buffalo. Uh, they were looking incredibly hot and have. I don't know whether or not it's them regressing back to the mean or whatever, but man, they they do not look comfortable at all. And they are in danger of missing out on the playoffs entirely. There's a lot of teams in that six window, uh, well, that six win bracket now, um, 
the Bills are on shaky ground right now, and they aren't even leading the AFC East anymore because the Patriots are. So, woof. Imagine if you're a Bills fan and you have to contend with the fact that your Josh Allen Super Bowl window might already be open. Like, after (laughs) making... (laughs) Like, you've waited so long, you finally feel like you have a couple of decent heads at the, you know, heads at the wheel, and then it's gone again. Mm Mm-hmm. But they have the they have the quality. Like they don't have a running game, but their linebackers, their corners, their in fact, their whole secondary, their own lines good. Like I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand why the Bills are bad, but they are. Yeah, I've not seen like certainly didn't watch this game, but in many of the Bills' previous losses, I couldn't articulate exactly why they lost. Was that a you problem, or was that a Bill's problem, Sam? Well, (laughs) I wasn't entirely sure what was happening a lot of the time, because it was quite bright, and everything was moving quite quickly. Um, I caught the end of a a commercial for some kind of new Pepsi product. Uh, I remember that. (laughs) Marvellous. Alright, let's... uh... Let's let's turn our attention elsewhere because we got a lot more to wrap through. Um, okay. Let's get some fodder out of the way. We're going to yeah. talk about Brian uh, Browns thirteen, Lions ten. Uh, Browns back above five hundred. It wasn't convincing, but then again, it's the Lions with Tim Boyle at quarterback, and who gives a shit? The laser show. <laughs> <laughs> the laser show. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a very disappointing game in all phases, and I, I know a lot of um, a lot of people. One of them, in fact, is in this call that thinks that Baker Mayfield is not the future for the for the Browns. I say hold your horses on that one, but games like this aren't going to endear him to the fans because this should have been comfortable, healthy Nick Chubb, you know, healthy. They're a lot healthier on defense than they were a couple of weeks ago. And scraping a win against the Lions is... I mean, I guess guess at least they got... I guess I got the win, but, like, it's not a good look for a team that have the aspirations that they have at this point of the year. No, and, um, you know, I'm going to, again... build on what you mentioned about Baker Mayfield the you want if you're going to rely on a guy that's had eight good games in his career in four years <laughs> you want him to at least be able to like put away some of the absolute dregs of the league and the lions are the dreggiest of dregs frankly baker mayfield does not help himself He's had more adverts than he has had good games. Okay, I'm let's not, not punish again. No, let's not punish I'm not, the man. No, I'm not. For his, I'm just I'm, that was just me making a point that he's only had eight, eight good games in his entire career. I mean, he's not. And be this isn't one of them again. I'll make it somewhere. He's crap. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not even going to dance around it. He's crap. Move on, Cleveland. He's holding you back. Uh, this is a roster that, like the Bills, is stacked at pretty much every position. 
except unlike the Bills, they also actually have the best one-two punch running back combo and probably the third, uh, the best third choice running back in the league as well. Oh yeah. And despite that, they still aren't very good, and they are a team that are harder to articulate as to why they are losing the games that they are. And then you realise that there is one common denominator in that <laughs> when he plays bad, the team plays bad. And when he is mediocre, the team looks considerably more mediocre, and it's Baker Mayfield. Move on. Call it a loss. Whatever. You might win a Super Bowl without him. That's all I'm saying. I mean, there's... Yeah. Even a, even someone that's just barely a bit more competent. So they've got so many other fantastic tools. I honestly put Case Keenum in. Sincerely, though, like Case Keenum in the game against Denver, where he gets the start and he's prepared to be the starter for the entire week and whatnot, instead of being thrown in like late in the third quarter because Baker Mayfield got hurt again and he won't just sit out and. Like with his massive injuries or whatever, like I know that he's playing this year hurt or whatever, but if you're playing hurt and you look this bad in every game that you play, and you're you are a defining reason as to why your team's losing games and why this potential eleven and zero roster is now fucking sat six and five with one of the wins being Detroit, it's not exactly the most enthralling of things. For you to be doing, stop trying to be some kind of nobleman and playing through massive injuries. <laughs> Sit out on the sidelines, holding the team back with your toughness, and it's appalling to be honest. Any anything else to say about this game? Now, no. now we've got our barbs at Baker Mayfield out of the way. No, there's nothing I mean, else to learn from this game other than given. I certainly think that you have a point, Ed, in that scraping a win from the Lions is a good indicator of where your season is at. How would you kind of tabulate the Vikings' chances this season? What, after having scraped a win against the, the yes. Lions? Um, I still think we're a playoff team, and then I think when when you get into the playoffs with a team like Minnesota, anything could happen. I don't think that, I don't think that we're in any way near favourites to win, but I think we have the... Mm talent to go far, just need to put it all together. It's like playing Russian roulette. <laughs> well, there's a bullet in every chamber. <laughs> Sometimes you scrape wins against the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I disagree we scraped a win. I think we deserve to win. But I think yeah. it's like if you had a button and you press it and completely at random you either get kind of Gently caressed by a, a kind of calming figure, or a boxing glove comes out of the walls and punches you in the nard. I I equated it. I don't know why we're back on the Vikings, but I equated it to when I was talking to Connor about uh, being a Vikings fan is like being beaten around the head with a gold brick. Because like the brick might be of incredibly high quality, but you're still being beaten around the head with a brick. Very astute point. Can we move on to another game that made me feel like I was getting beaten around the head by a gold brick? <laughs> yep. Uh, we're going to move on to talk about the Ravens 16, the Bears 13, and Chicago are now officially oh. the second worst team in the NFC, and this Tyler Hunt, uh, Tyler Huntley-led Ravens team still managed to take advantage. 
There was no Hollywood Brown. There was no Lamar Jackson, and they still uh, romped. And this was this was less of a gold brick and more just like a solid block of asbestos. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna just because we need to rattle through some games, and this one is on the chopping block. I've got one question for you. Hit me. Does Nagy end the season as the Bears head coach or does he end the season as a janitor in Detroit? God, no. Um, I I think he ends the season. I think the ownership have too much. I I think at this point, do you remember, do you remember a couple of... Was it last year with the Adam Gase thing where they knew he was fired? Yeah. But they let him. They gave him the keys to the end of the season because, like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's the situation that well, I don't know. The team up north are looking for. It's like firing your janitor and giving him the keys so he can have one last sweep, and then you come back in the morning and he's burned the building down. <laughs> it is true. Like Justin Fields left the game here hurt with like what I think may end up being like cracked ribs or something. Because yep. Matt Nagy doesn't know how to protect the rookie quarterback. It's just... It's Fortunately tough. for Justin Fields, it looks like he might have escaped serious injury. That's but, good. Ugh. But, yeah. It wasn't a pretty showing. Do, right, we, oh. do we have Lamar back for Browns? Well, I would assume so, because he was only out with an illness that wasn't COVID. So... Chances are it's probably like ah. he's had the flu <laughs> ah, the or some variety. They've yeah. they've been calling it a bronchial infection, so oh. be interested oh. to see how bad it actually is because he he travelled to Chicago, but he didn't sort of make a a, a load of presses and stuff. Hmm. Be interested to see whether he's back. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it'll, it'll just have been on some pennies. <clears throat> we'll Alright, let's move on. Uh the four and seven Miami Dolphins won twenty four to seventeen against the New York Jets, and uh, Joe Flacco still isn't very good. Tua Tungavailoa is still also not great, but he had a much better game. And I have nothing else to say about this game in the slightest. The I most... have. I can do a praise and a praise and grumble if you. So. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we've got a call now from Ed. He's a Vikings fan. Ed, praise or grumble? Uh, a bit of both, if I can. So a bit of both. A bit of both. So, Go on. Then. First of all, I'd like to praise uh, this this little this little kid, Elijah Moore. He looks a real talent at wide receiver for the New York Jets. Um, on a serious note, he is really good. And if you haven't watched the tape, you should. The other thing is, I am still screaming at the Dolphins to get an offense. Right, get an offensive identity, run some different plays because it's all the same. And it's I don't want to watch another Dolphins game this year. I don't just want to see the same three RPOs. Yeah, it's so fucking frustrating watching the Dolphins right now because they their offense they get points, but they don't. They're not an interesting team to watch by any stretch of the imagination. Do something creative. I wouldn't even say that they're like talent poor because if you look down their receiving core, for example, Jalen Waddle, the rookie, Mike Gesicki, uh, you've got Albert Wilson, you've got uh, Preston Williams, um, Devante Parker. Devante Parker, when he's like healthy, you've got five guys there. Plus, you've got 
Like Matt Collins, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, who all have like bit part factors in, in games as well. Miles Gaskin is like a fine running back. It's not the worst. They just don't have any play calling. There's no scheming. There's no nothing here. It's boring. They are so objectively crap to watch because they don't have anything interesting going on. It was this time last year where we coined the nickname Dolphins. I know. Like, look at look at how far we've fallen. It's abysmal. Uh, the most interesting thing about this game or anything relating to it was the message that Max just put in the group chat that said he saw a man wearing a Dolphins jersey that said England 66 on the back. <laughs> he also called that unsavory scenes at Tesco, so... That's why that's that's all, that's all you need to know. All right, let's move on. Uh, where the 49ers curb stomped the Jacksonville Jaguars thirty to ten, and again, I don't. The, what do we learn from Jags games? Nothing. What do we learn from the 49ers winning here against Jacksonville? Nothing. Well, uh, we we what the main takeaway from this game was that Debo led the team in receiving and rushing, so uh, can pretty much do what he wants. I thought it was Brendan Ayuk that led the team receiving. Was it Ayuk? I don't know. Um, all I know is that Debo's really, yeah. really fucking good. Tifo got 15 yards receiving. Ah, well, maybe he didn't leave the team in receiving, but he did He did rush for two touchdowns, though, didn't he? Yeah, Plus. one. One? Oh, was I even watching this game? <laughs> I, I don't blame you for not, to be honest. Let's move on. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to talk about uh, the... Oh, actually, one question about this game just before we move on, real Shoot. quick. Has Urban Meyer, with a two win season, a two, has he done enough to save his job? Yeah. You know what? I think so. Yeah. I mean, there was that weird controversy about him, like, hooking up with a 19 year old college student back in Ohio while he was wearing Ohio State gear while being the head coach of the Jags, which, you know, would get most people fired, but it is Jacksonville, so I think he probably kept his job. That probably boosted his standings within ownership, to be honest. Yeah. Adultery is <laughs> like the state pastime. <laughs> Jacksonville, adulterer's corner. <laughs> We're going to get some complaints. <laughs> right. Who from? Nobody in Jacksonville listens to this. Uh, no, it's not. It's not unique to people from Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, let's move laterally to another game. Which uh, actually, there is something to learn from it. The two and eight Houston Texans, twenty-two to thirteen <laughs> winners over the AFC one seed. Both the first seeds in the in the AFC and NFC lost this week. To teams that were below five hundred, and the Texans <laughs> claiming a two and a second win on the year. Ryan Tannehill, thirty-five for fifty-two, three twenty-three yards, a touchdown, and four interceptions. Oh Jesus Christ! A couple um, of these were as bad picks as you're going to see. As what's that? Okay, I was going to say. I thought. I assume you were the only one to see this game. How bad were the picks? Um. I can't remember them all. There were a couple where it was sort of like the, you would consider the window to be open in the NFL, but the 
just got there. There was one to Camus Grugier Hill, which was god awful. If it wasn't for the Daniel Jones pick against the Bucks, it'd have been the, it'd have been the worst one of the week. <laughs> News from our sponsor there, Beth. Um, I muted the microphone just in time. <laughs> so all you you've didn't. done is just alluded to the audio that the <laughs> listeners will never hear. Um, yeah Um, David Cully man is (laughs) everyone everyone thought that this man got this this job as a joke but with the with the talent at his disposal there is some breaking news actually about the Texans which I'll just get to in a second but with the talent that he had at his disposal two wins is remarkable yeah let's not also forget the ghost of Romeo Cronell. Ah, that's true. That too. The news I was going to say is that they are releasing Philip Lindsay. They're releasing him? Yeah. What? I mean, in fairness, like, he's third choice behind Rex Burkhead and David Joe. What a fall from grace he's had. <laughs> Honestly, Philip Lindsay, do you remember when he was uh, when he was yes. on the Broncos and in our first season, Ed, you were you and I were both championing him as like Ooh, why is why has nobody picked up Philip Lindsay yet? And this is why, because he's not actually not very good. I don't think he's not very I don't think he's not good. I just think that ugh, I don't know where it's gone wrong for him. I mean, if you're playing third fiddle to David negative trade value and Rex Burkhead. (laughs) David. (laughs) David. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was amazed to see Rex Burkhead in the league when I saw taking a touchdown in versus the Titans. But like... He didn't take a touchdown in. Did you watch any of these? I think there was one that got called, but I think there was one that... All right, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was just <laughs> it's it's, just... it's, it's like a random <laughs> phrase generator for these games, <laughs> and it's you still better than what we're providing. Rex Sam, let's just heads. touchdown rush. It's a little bit like uh, if you if you remember on like NFL Two K Five where you had Chris Berman, but they just had like a bunch of recorded voice lines for him, <laughs> so he never quite described what was happening, but. He'd he'd name a player, and then <laughs> usually just go whoop at the end of it. <laughs> if you could throw something like that and spice it up a bit, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Patriots, eh? <laughs> okay. Hey, that was a classic bit. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 oh my the vitriol. Yeah, there was there was some real passion behind that. Tell us how you really feel, sunshine. Okay, um, a game that actually did matter I will not be impugned. <laughs> a game that mattered and was also quite entertaining. Washington twenty-seven to twenty-one victors over the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know. Washington may be still one of those teams in the market for a new quarterback. In fact, maybe both of these teams are. But at this point, is Taylor yeah. Heineke like really yeah. fighting for his for his career in the NFL in in a good way? Is he convincing ownership to take a punt on this XFL backup? He's not played like an XFL backup. You know he yeah. has not. 
Oh my there were a couple, word. Of, a couple yeah. of throws in this game where he took some licks and then got back up and delivered some pretty stellar passes. Like there was a um, a completion on fourth and six where he threw across his body. Like there were the, genuinely he had a very very good game and probably outshone Cam this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, CMC looked great again. I don't. Now here's a guy who led the lead, uh, led the game in receiving and rushing. <laughs> he did. He actually Would did. you like to fight me? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, fuck it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was it was an uncharacteristically sort of poor game for the Panthers' defense, who forced a couple of turnovers early, but then they kind of wilted away. Hmm. Like there were their pass coverage, especially in the end zone, wasn't that great. Or like right, right, I mean, in the red zone, and it, you got the sense that the there they had opportunities to improve and get better, but I think that that Washington kind of hit the limit around how good they could be in this game, and I still think Heineke is playing his way into certainly being a high tier backup for the remainder of his career, mm-hmm. but I don't. He he's playing well with the tools he has. I don't know. I think Washington might still want to move on. Okay. I mean, I guess it's not like they're you know kind of gearing for a, a deep playoff run anytime soon. So it's In not the, like... this year, anything's possible. Well, well yeah, is the NFC. All right. Um, I don't know what happened there. Sam just sort of said a thing and nobody nobody responded to it. Uh, I'm going to take that as a sign that we're done here. Let's move on because we gotta we got to still get through another couple of actual good games amongst all this shit. Any, have we got any more stinkers that we can just yes. throw up and bat down? The Philadelphia Eagles in the highest scoring stinker game I think I've seen in quite some time. 40 to 29 winners over the Saints. Jalen Hurts played probably his best game. Um, just mm-hmm. smart, steady football and got three rushing touchdowns. And Trevor Simeon is still not very good. I did see the. saw two very bad interceptions of his. Mm-hmm. Like, face churningly bad. He which... got away with a couple that were called back as well. So I am all on that Taysom train. <laughs> did you guys hear about Taysom's new contract? Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. So for the listeners who may not know about this, um, Taysom Hill has uh, signed a new deal that will pay him $40 million over the next four years if he remains in his current role, which will be backup quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end but it can be worth up to $95 million if Hill becomes the Saints starting quarterback over the next four years. It also includes $22.5 million in guarantees. You know, Taysom Hill getting paid what could be $95 million a year to play as what is essentially the worst Swiss Army knife that I've ever seen is (laughs) frankly insulting. Just a little bit that we've got someone paid this well at 31 
with somehow even less good games as the position that they are advertised as than he's, like Blake Bortles. He's like the, he's like SNL at this point. Like, Laboured jokes that weren't funny years ago. They still trot out. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow they're um, still raking in the ratings. Somehow. <laughs> Middle America. <laughs> um, I I have one more stat for you guys. Game. Shoot. One yeah. target, one reception, 23 yards. JJ <laughs> Ortega. Oh my Mike God. Side. He did it. He finally <laughs> did it. He got a catch. <laughs> the return of JJ. <laughs> <laughs> that's his season starts by the way I know it is, it's ridiculous <laughs> it's hey, the first time that I've heard his name mentioned all year you can only go up from there <laughs> well I don't know you could go to the CFL fly but, eagles, fly put, put down the shovel there's still life in this dog <laughs> gross alright, we've got five more games we've got 20 minutes or so since, uh, until we need to really shoot through there is at least one game that is a, a an actual barnstormer so let's get through some of the dregs we're going to talk about arizona 23 seattle 13 and the seahawk season is functionally and almost mathematically over these uh, seahawks suck man they are oh. so bland unenjoyable the best thing about him is when DK gets into a fight. That's true. Yeah, they they don't have anything going for them. You know, um, Chandler Jones, uh, with the game that he had today, which was another two sacks, is now eighth on the total sack charts at the Seahawks' home stadium. He is the only Seahawk to not play... Uh, sorry, he's the only player on that list to not play for the Seahawks. He's, I think he's like seven off of the all-time lead. And I'm not saying that this is him terrorizing the Seahawks, because, I mean, he has. But the Seahawks have literally never had a premier pass rusher at home, have they? Holy shit! Yeah. What has happened? The Super Bowl runs, they had Cliff Averill. But, like, that's... <laughs> He he's not talked about in the same circle. Uh, I don't know. They had they had one good year from Frank Clark, and then he moved on to pastures new. Yeah, maybe not. They like. I mean, the Legion of Boom. I always remember for being like ridiculously good off the line, and the line wasn't really all that special. But like the the depth at secondary with like Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, and then you had like your linebacker and Bobby Wagner. It was like. That was the bit that was remembered. The yeah. line has literally... I, I genuinely don't think I can think of a single Seahawks pass rusher. No, other than Cliff Avery. Other right? than but Cliff Avery, yeah. They played this um, like cover three that meant you didn't really need to get a lot of pressure blanking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was... Something something has gone seriously wrong for the Seahawks in just the way they play the game because it doesn't look like anyone knows what they're doing. Yeah. They um one of the things that I always say about like bad teams uh across all sports is that it doesn't look like they're playing even the same sport, let alone on the same field as teams in the in the sport that they're in. Like 
I've seen plenty of Wednesday teams that don't look like they're playing the same football game as the rest of the league. Uh, the Seahawks don't look like a team that's playing the same game as the rest of the league, but not in like a revolutionary way because they're fucking garbage. They're abysmal. So, um, yeah, I mean, Colt McCoy torched them by being Colt McCoy and playing, again, steady football. Zach Ertz had a couple touchdowns. It's nice to see that his career has, like, had a little resurgence playing for the Cardinals. And finally, Cliff Kingsbury is above 500 for the first time in his career. Well done, Cliff. (laughs) It took, like, seven years of being a coach and having Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes to finally get there. But, man, you earned it, Cliff. <laughs> you make it sound like he hasn't earned No, I, I, this year he definitely has. They have been they have been a very thoroughly good team. Um, and the air raid offense is working. And to be fair, like the fact that Colt McCoy has continued that, like they're 2-1 without Kyler and Diop. This is, that's a good, that's a good team. That's a good, well-coached team. I'll give him. Credit. I wouldn't call what they're running right now strictly the air raid, but I, yeah, you are air raid adjacent. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move on to another uh, game against a team that many many people didn't really think would be quite as good as they may have been coming into the year. The Bengals, thirty-two to thirteen winners over the Raiders, and uh, oh. Oh, it's all gone horribly wrong for the Raiders over the last five weeks. And Jesus Christ, the Bengals have have turned it back around after sort of having a shaky couple of weeks and the bye week came at the perfect time. But, oh, this game was a pretty much an indictment of the Raiders season. They held it together for most of it and it just elapsed mm-hmm. like it fell apart. Are you all right, Sam? We can't hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, it literally just it was uh, light years away from the sort of free slang in Derek Carr Josh Jacobs didn't really get anything going on the ground like Darren Waller had a good game but what's new there and the the Bengals just walked all over them mm-hmm. Joe Burrow had a pretty poor show and so they just rode Joe Mixon the game did anyone see the the fake flea flicker that the Bengals played in this one? No. So uh, obviously the the makings of the flea flicker, but then instead of pitching the ball back, Joe Mixon like does a one eighty and spins and turns up field and gains like an extra fifteen yards. It was a very imaginative play actually out of uh, the Zach Taylor offensive playbook. Which I mean, I've had criticisms of Zach Taylor, but I've not seen anyone do a fake flea flicker before. So. I have, I have, but it was only the Adrian Peter- Peterson Vikings. It's where he turned around and Teddy had tripped. So he, kind of, <laughs> he was like, "Oh no, what do I?" <laughs> All right, a designed fake flea flicker. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, it was a good play. But yeah, like the Bengals get a much-needed win on the road at LA uh, at Las Vegas, but. You'd have a hard time convincing me that the Bengals really aren't a team to root for. Like, I'm enjoying watching the Bengals right now. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, Although I still don't like Joe Mixon, but we'll 
Well, for personal or professional reasons. Uh, personal. personal. <laughs> um, but anyway, I digress because I don't want to get into all of that sort of thing. We we tend to have to have these discussions every week, it seems. So I'd rather just stick to football. And the maybe maybe we'll have a, a we'll have an episode over the off season where we just talk. We just go through the league and we talk about each player and their crimes and then agree to not talk about it in the year. That's a great <laughs> idea, actually. We just provide an update on which players we don't like and that's it. That sounds horrible. Like a domestic abuse draft. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do it in that context. <laughs> yeah, the moment that you said that about it, like it completely killed the idea for me. So... Thank you, Sam. I do appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Um, the final game of the later Sunday window was the 7-4 and Kansas City Chiefs, 19-9 victors over the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, the Chiefs making a, making a good comeback, I guess. But to be honest, the, the thing about the Chiefs is that their defense has stepped up big time. Against the Packers with Jordan Love back there, they they knew when to blitz. Steve Pagnola did a great job coaching that team. And against the Cowboys, Chris Jones had his best game, I think, of the entire year. Three and a half sacks. Maybe should have been four, but, you know, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll give him credit. That's what happens when you move him back to D-tackle. You know, it's it's what happens when you play him in position. Yeah. Um, It's... This game was kind of weird, because as it was going on, I was telling Tom... There are, there are games you need to watch this week. Make sure Cowboys Chiefs is it. And then it just it just got dry in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> like it just got like arid and boring and plain. Mm. But for a while, like a bad the Chiefs really... Chicken. Precisely like a bad time dog chicken. <laughs> for a while, the, yeah, the, the Chiefs looked like the Chiefs of old again to a degree. Like Mahomes was feeding Hill. He was feeding Kelsey. He was getting away with Mahomesing, which we all I think we all like to see. In this year that proves him fallible, I think one of the things I enjoyed most is watching him play well. Uh Dak, on the other hand, had a pretty horrendous day. Made worse by the fact that he didn't have his lot of his receivers. Like Amari Cooper has COVID. CD Lamb left in the second quarter with a concussion. So yeah. Michael mm. Gallup and Cedric Wilson is not an option. Sadly, Zeke left the game as well, but Dak didn't help himself. I mean, he made some very, very poor reads on some very, very basic throws this week. Mm. For a man that was talked about as a like MVP candidate early in the season, his players dropped off to a significant degree. I wonder yeah. if that's just because of the injury. Because like before the calf injury, he was looking damn fine, and then. Pretty well, much ever yeah, since, like he has been pretty much atrocious, and I think it definitely doesn't help losing your two wide receivers. And by the sounds of it, that that Raiders Thanksgiving game that they've got at home will also not have CD Lamb or Amari Cooper. So mm. we're going to be watching the Steve Bisaccia Raiders versus the uh, still injured and receiverless Dallas Cowboys. So. Ugh. That game will be all about the tight ends. Cause did you see that um, the Cowboys had a third nameless white tight end? 
Um, you know how they've got Donald Schultz from... and Blake Jarwin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had another one, and I, can't, I think his name was like Connor McEvers, and he was just like another, <laughs> <laughs> another endless stream of tall white men. Is it Sean McKeon? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they can't help how they're born. <laughs> I signed a petition to make Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin the same player, which, uh, I, <laughs> which like I appreciate. It. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> it checks out. Um, put, them in, put them into the fly machine and they come out <laughs> exactly like one perfectly symmetrical man. It'll just be Blake uh-huh. Jarwin again. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't have a great deal more to say about this. No, um, I mean we don't have a great deal of time, so I all right, let's riffle. I forking it. Yeah, I say that we move on to a game where actually things happened in a weird turn of events. The uh, Chargers and Steelers played a game that wasn't a complete dumpster fire. It yeah, finished forty-one to thirty-seven, and it was actually a good game. But the Chargers take draw. the win. And uh, climbed to six and four, while the Steelers dropped to five, four, and one. Um, this game was a weird one in the sense that both teams' defense were coming into it with uh, with a lot of potential injury concerns. The Chargers ended up getting Jerry, uh, Jerry Bosa back late on in the day, so they were able to play him. But the Steelers, minus T.J. Watt, Joe Hayden, and Minka Fitzpatrick, were essentially down all of the teeth of their defense, and. My word, did Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert make them pay, because holy moly. I mean, Justin Herbert may have had one of the best throws that I think I've ever seen. Uh, Defense finally gets in his face, and he completes one on like a a third down, which was on a rope, on a dime, straight into the hands of, I think it was Donald Parnham, and it was like the, the fastest laser shot that I've ever seen out of a quarterback's arm and it went straight on money. It was fun Sometimes to watch him has, play. Yeah. It's Marino esque when he when he throws those proper, proper darts with like no like no wind up. Mm-hmm. Um he also had ninety yards on the ground because essentially every time that like Highsmith could actually get into the backfield, the there was a massive hole for him to run through, and he just absolutely torched the defense. And you know, when Derek Tuzker is on the other side, it probably makes <laughs> it a lot easier. But man, you still got to have the uh, the wheels to turn upfield and make a play. And man, did Justin Herbert do that? So great day. And then Austin Eckler rivaled Jonathan Taylor for the fifty point production. He had forty two on the ground for me. He actually. Uh, he ended up helping me out in my fantasy matchup against second in the league in one of my other leagues. So, good old Austin Eckler. And the other guy had Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, to say that the Steelers ended up losing this game, I'm just glad that Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert were the ones to do it because I at least got the bonus of that. But um, Tom, was it a punch? Was it a punch? I No. I don't think it was because... It absolutely wasn't. Cam Hayward is... As I said, the most top-heavy man in football. He's a guy that's 270 pounds, and I think 210 of those are all in his belly. He's also not exactly a mean guy, is he? Like, he's one of these people that's like, 
running charity events all the time. I don't think that he's intending on punching Justin Herbert. There's guys in behind him, like the referees and Chargers players. He's probably just off balance. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I believe I can't his see statement. How anyone looks at looks at those like replays and comes away from that thinking that he like punched him. I think it's telling that Herbert didn't make anything of it, but by, by that same token, like I don't know. I mean, it probably well, hurt yeah. Herbert. Like it looked like he sort of well, got yeah, mildly winded by it, him. but like. That's because a 270-pound human being fell directly on his torso. Like, come on, man. Yeah, um, You know, if we're going to go into, like, was it a punch? I do think that there were a couple of instances where, uh, man, you got to be cracking down on some of the hits that were dust out. I don't know. I think it was Storm Norton on the Cam Sutton interception. Sutton's, oh, like on the ground, back turned to Storm Norton, and Storm Norton, one of the O-linemen, absolutely launches into the back of Cam Sutton's head and takes his helmet off as well. And it was just one of those plays where it's like, he's a defenseless man on the ground. You can't you can't go launching into the back of someone's head like that. It, the referees didn't end up calling anything for it. And then there was another play which uh, Najee Harris collects a... Uh, dump off pass gets tackled and while he's going to the ground again I'm, I'm not entirely sure which of the charges like DBs it was but he comes flying in with a, a very late elbow to the face mask again somehow not called but there are a couple of instances that maybe the refs should probably look to crack down on but I'm not they weren't going to influence the game in any way don't I'm more just like if you're going to protect players protect them when they get hit in the head yeah. like i'm not saying that this is definitely in a way that actually like keeps players healthy yeah exactly like the game was absolutely fantastic um i don't think that we should really look at ref related things but you know um one thing that i do have to say because it's been very i've sort of made it very charges heavy here because they were the victors they played great uh, this was Ben Roethlisberger's best game of the season by a by an absolute country mile. He he was absolutely slanging stuff left, right, and center, and more importantly, and center because we attacked the <laughs> middle of the field and it actually worked. Hey, what do you know? Uh, Deontay Johnson had uh, a great touchdown grab as well. Um, the route running. He is a true wide receiver one, isn't he? Yeah, the route running on that one was absolutely ridiculous. If you've not seen it. He sort of takes a couple steps, stabs towards the right, and then absolutely sends Asante Samuel for a, a hot dog and makes a play <laughs> at the back of the end zone on a fade. And it was just, that's that's your wide receiver one right there. I, I love watching Deontay Johnson play football. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think I'm going to learn too much about the Steelers' defense here because like, the guys that were missing are the main guys on the defense like the touchdown uh late on in the day that ends up winning it for the chargers trey norwood is not the starting free safety he's a rookie seventh rounder he was playing in the game because minka fitzpatrick wasn't in and he gets beat quite badly um there was no pressure but that's because like i mentioned Derek tusker and taco charlton and uh 
I can't even remember. I think Jameer Jones may have played a couple snaps as well. None of them are none of them are very good, so but it was a fun game. And the Chargers end up winning and uh, have a little bit have a little bit of an extra step going into next week. So Wahoo. And then finally, we're gonna talk upon uh Tampa Bay thirty to ten winners over the three and seven New York Giants. And well, it was it was pretty much the game that I was expecting. Same for I, you guys. Yeah, I have I have many, many points. But this uh, this offense in particular is broken in a deep way. Like play calling's awful. They move the ball well sometimes, but can't as soon as they get into the red zone, just it's it's like they've gone wander. It is it boggles the mind. Um Daniel Jones threw some there were some very bad throws in this game. That interception was probably one of the worst throws you'll see this year. Or worst interceptions. We're talking about the Steve McClendon pick, right? Yeah, the McClendon pick. That's probably one of the worst picks you'll see this year. Um, I still don't think that a lot of the the Giants' faults are those of Daniel Jones, because he has played in part quite well this year. And the O-line is just not... It provides no protection at all. Better at catching passes than protecting passes. Yeah, they Tampa, Tampa, kind of they you know they went whole hog sometimes, but they could have rushed three every single play this game and gotten to Daniel Jones, you know, pressured him every time. We should um, we should point out that injuries have conspired to that Andrew Thomas is now. More passing touchdowns than yeah. Kenny Galladay. Mm, yeah, like Andrew Thomas is back. He's he's been quite good this year when he's been on, but it just the the roster is built so badly, and Edelman should go get a new GM in. I don't really see the point in getting a new GM in to work with kind of. Head coaches and coaches that are already there. Joe so you Judge. think Joe Judge? I think Jason Garrett. Joe Judge needs out. To, I need. I think Jason Garrett needs to leave immediately. I'd, I'd, Joe Judge. I'd feel neither here nor there on, but I, I, I don't think it really ever. It it doesn't tend to be a happy marriage when you have a new GM come in to deal with the leftovers from you know the previous regime yeah <laughs> yeah the clear house would suit everyone but i the last thing i want to do is get rid of daniel jones because he's no he has a lot of potential i i think that in the right kind of scheme he could work really well but i just uh, this is a a badly built team playing badly that's coached badly and it makes me sad when I watch them. I will say one thing about this game in particular, because I know that Daniel Jones has 
especially the pick to Stephen McClendon was like bad, but <sighs> the Bucks finally got a lot of their secondary back healthy. I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, uh, they got uh, obviously Antoine Wilfield, uh, Winfield has been really stepping up. Jordan Whitehead came back. Um, they, SMB especially. Yeah. When they, he, they he got, made a pass break up early oh, and it was just like, oh, he's back. Yeah. He's back. They got so healthy again, uh, especially in that secondary. And that was the bit that was a real concern for them over the last couple of games. Um, because they were just so they were just so loose there. There was no there was no quality there because they were down like four corners and a safety. Yeah. They all played really well. I mean, I'm gonna highlight Antoine Wernfield. The the pass break up over on the sidelines to break up a pass intended for I think it was I think it was Kadarius Tony, where Tony manages to get both feet down, but because he never makes a football move and because Winfield turns his attention from trying to tackle him to just trying to rip the ball out, ends up getting them screwed over on like a third and eight or whatever. They end up punting. Yeah. The Bucks score on the next drive. That's the sort of plays that you want out of your safety, and he is he is unequivocally the leader of that uh, secondary. So um, that's who I've sort of highlighted. But yeah, the the Giants offensively is uh, ugh, gross. Yeah, a lot of guttural. Yeah, lot of guttural. Hey, fellas, John, John, listen, and crazy. Go. I won the Picks League this week. You did. This has been a, a dire, dire few weeks in the Picks League, I'd say. It has, but you've capitalised more than anyone, Sam, because you've gone from like seven point, you've gone from like seven picks down on me to like four picks down on me. Yeah, into this I mean, one. this week might have this week might have undone. It did some of that very good work. It did, but you know what are you gonna do? <laughs> All right. I mean, I probably should have just taken those seven wins. <laughs> <laughs> the seven win amnesty. We appreciate the fact that you. I mean, I, I wasn't paying that much attention to the games, so I would have a hundred percent just gone with a first look. Like, eh, they'll probably win. Which <laughs> didn't really pan out this week. With uh, with that, I do have some. Uh, breaking news that I have just seen on on Twitter. Um, TJ Watt is set to return this week, which is crazy when you think about just how like nasty that knee injury looked. Um, so that's that's a little bit of Ooh. little bit of news. I haven't seen the knee injury yet. It's it's not great. I wouldn't watch it. It ended up not yeah. being anything to really watch anyway. So it could, it was one of those that could have been very nasty. Yeah. Anyway. Um, as is tradition uh, this season, especially we're going to run through all Ooh. the teams that are in the playoff berth right now. And in the AFC, it is the Titans, Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, Bengals, Chargers, and Bills. And in the NFC, it's the Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Rams, Vikings, and Saints. <laughs> this is the first time the Vikings have been named here, and again prevents us from only having one host team left come January. So. Congratulations, Vikings. <laughs> you did it. Um, just on the outside looking in, uh, there are a bunch of teams with five wins and six wins. That's, there you go. Anyway. Almost everyone has between five and six wins. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, anyway, we 
we will probably be back on Friday, but there's like Thanksgiving games to wrap up. Um, one of them is almost assuredly going to be a stinker because it's Lions Bears. There's also going to be Cowboys Raiders <laughs> and Saints Bills, as is pretty much tradition uh, on Thanksgiving. All of those games will likely be shit. Anyway, Sam, give us a closing remark. Um. Uh, Ed, give us a closing uh, remark. Uh, Tom, give us a closing um, remark. Um, we're going to keep going around the houses until someone's or something. Sam? Um, Dave Gettleman. More like Dave Get Out, man. Scum. <laughs> Over and out. <laughs> I'm Groove Juicy.